Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Yeah, it's your boys, Matt Stocks, Jesse Leach. We're back with another episode of Stoke the Fire. I'm not even going to say what episode number it is because I always get that wrong without fail. (laughs) I can see, though, and you'll be able to see this if you're watching on YouTube, Jesse is repping his Stoke the Fire Campfire Crew t-shirt. What's up, dude? Good to see you, man. Good to see you, man, and good to be seen. It just feels like, and now it's only been like a month since we last spoke, but a lot has transpired um mm-hmm. anyone who pays attention to your uh, instagram you've been all over texas which is incredible it looked like you had a hell of a time good pictures good outfits epic hat <laughs> <laughs> mate it was i've never been to texas before and i'm sure you've been many times it is my new favorite place um it gets a bad rep i think and and a lot of people go in on texas as you know i guess this kind of like trump hot zone and people kind of i think talk disparagingly often about the people there but i found them to be nothing but warm and generous and gracious obviously there was a lot of shops that i went in with the trump banners still there like (laughs) the love for him is still strong and you kind of have to sidestep past that but as we talk about all the time on this show and as we've come to learn more and more the longer we've done it um politics just is kind of irrelevant it's a distraction from the things that unite and bind us and we're here on this show obviously just trying to like focus on the the commonalities rather than the differences so although some of the people who live there perhaps don't believe the same things as i do in terms of a broader i don't know approach to life and, and perhaps a political stance fuck it they were amazing they were lovely and i had the best time what's your take on texas how many times you've been down there i don't know i've lost track um, a lot but i'll tell you um as far as being a musician goes texas is one of the greatest places to play the audiences are always absolutely insane especially for metal the audience are nuts there we get crazy support um yeah i texas is like it depends where you go i mean it's texas is huge yeah so, well texas is bigger than the uk right so <laughs> right there and when people talk about texas in generalities it's just not fair to the state of texas it's a huge state there's a lot to offer there's a ton of great culture there there's a ton of really good salt of the earth people and you're right i think the you know just like anybody in this country especially loves to to throw trash around because of a a generalization of a political view, but just because somebody quote unquote is a right or a left, it doesn't necessarily make them a bad person. I'm not a fan of Trump. I'm not a fan of Biden. I think they're both puppets and idiots. Personally, I don't like politicians, but um, I love people. So 
I think it's throw that shit out to the side. You're still going to find good people no matter where you go. And I love that you had a good time. It's, it is its own country, really. If you really think about it in terms of the United States, that's one of those states that could just completely be its own country and they would be just fine. I'm sure Texas people are hard as nails, man. Yeah. Well, as we talk today, today's Thanksgiving. And so I guess we were, there's no guest we should say as well. It's just me and Jesse this week for several reasons. I guess the first time you and I spoke just us two, it was pretty dark and downbeat and I wasn't in the best places. And obviously as people can hopefully see in here, I'm, I'm doing much better now. And, um, you know, although I don't celebrate Thanksgiving because I'm from the UK, I'm assuming you probably don't either as you've chosen to talk to me today. We can talk about what that holiday means perhaps as well. But I guess for both of us, it was important today and this week to kind of circle back, obviously catch up with each other because as you mentioned, it's been it's been a month since we spoke and that is the longest we've gone at least all of this year, um, perhaps a year or more. This is the longest we've gone without talking. So, you know, it'd be good to just catch up. Obviously, you've been traveling as well. But I just really wanted to say thank you to to you, first and foremost, dude, because you have, you know, you've been a dear friend of mine for a while now. But in this last couple of months when I have been, you know, I guess <laughs> diving into the abyss of depression uh, and alcoholism, you were one of the key people that helped me out of it and gave me the the resolve to turn my life around and certainly like switch my mindset up and get back on the good foot so um first and foremost i want to thank you for helping me rediscover myself um and i have to give a big shout out to my friend jake snufnarowski as well who was a guest on this show a few weeks back if you haven't heard that episode please check it out it doesn't matter at all if you've never heard of him he's a new york legend in his own right but just as a human being you'd be hard pressed right jesse to find a more inspirational character and human being yeah you could write a book about that dude and he's just a total sweetheart but he definitely put you up against the wall was like called you out on your shit i loved it and you were like all right fair deal (laughs) i love it but that's what friends do you know to me there's no effort in in that this friendship there's no effort there i mean i'm just being who i am to you because that's who you are to me and i think that's how friendship should be you know it shouldn't be something that takes so much effort Friendship is a beautiful thing because it's a two-way street. You know, I, I know you definitely do the same for me. And even though we don't really ever see each other in flesh, this mm-hmm. friendship has developed so much just from this podcast. And it's incredible. And I love that people can see that. If you go back and watch our earlier episodes till now, like we've just been good friends on camera with guests. It's amazing because it's effortless. And that's, that's a beautiful thing, man. So it's my honor. And I'm so glad. I'm so proud of you, man. It seems like you're, you're living life to the fullest just take the alcohol out of the equation. And I think a lot of people have this misconstrued notion of, you know, and I'm not sober, but I have definitely reduced alcohol to a afterthought in my life. Uh, And I was able to do that through a tour and through my vacation. And we'll get into that in a minute, but it doesn't have to be a bummer. Like people who are party people think that life is a bummer when you stop doing this thing that's, you know, potentially a problem in your life. And that's not just not true you develop a whole different relationship with yourself and with other people and with activities that you would normally associate having to have a drink with. You put that aside and your brain goes other places. You find a whole, and you know, I'm sure you can pick this up. You find a whole new appreciation for life. And I love that. It's beautiful. It's very obvious that you're going through that right now. Yeah. And somebody else who I do want to mention here is our first guest, Keith Buckley. Um, Keith was on my show, Life in the Stocks, and similar to Jake, he kind of just sat me down on the show in in the episode and was like, 
here's what you need to do. Uh, you already know you need to do it. I'm now throwing the challenge down. This is what you need to do. And this is what will happen when you do it. And like you're saying there, Keith was like, you know, you think if you stop drinking, you're going to like miss out on experiences and connections and opportunities. Because as we've spoken about, a lot of my friendships and a lot of the opportunities that I've gotten both professionally and just personally have often sprung from like these kind of after hours situations. And so I did think like, if I let go of that, then all of these amazing things that have been presented to me are going to go away. But as Keith kind of like told me, and I already knew, but I just needed to hear it, I think, from someone like him who's on the same journey, but a few months further down the road. Um, and he's actually on tour at the moment. He was in Austin when I was, but we didn't get to see each other. It was, it was disappointing. But he said to me, he was like, the minute you stop drinking, you'll see life kind of present new opportunities to you and you'll be clear and present and you'll be able to follow that you know, opportunity and see it through in a way that you wouldn't have if you were all clouded and messed up. And he actually said like, your life will be just as fun and just as full of adventure, arguably even more so because you'll be making these choices and going towards them with purpose. And what I found um, on my last night in Texas, I went to see Zach Wilde. He was playing in Houston. And just before COVID, I was on tour with, with Zach's Sabbath tribute, Zach Sabbath. So that's like him playing guitar and singing, Blasco on bass, and my friend Joey C from the Bronx on drums. And I was partying like a motherfucker on that tour, and they nicknamed me Shippy McShipwrecked because I was just so pissed every night. And they loved that side of me. And so when I went to see them in Houston, I thought, oh, I don't know whether they're going to like be as receptive because this Shippy character that maybe they're expecting isn't going to turn up. But actually, the love uh, and embrace that they showed me and they were like, we're so proud of you. You're doing so well. We still had like loads of laughs. And, you know, they gave me like a little laminate and I was watching the show from the side of stage with all the crew who were people that I toured with. And I realized like it's not the alcohol that creates these opportunities and connections and experiences. It's me. It's my personality. And I don't need the booze to unlock that. Um, and I've realized that and, and Texas was like transformative in that sense because I'd still go out every night to like honky tonk saloons in Austin and I'd be there till 2 a.m. You know, just drinking PBR alcohol free. And I was like just in it. And I was like, it isn't the booze. It's me. Like I'm fun without it. And and people still want to hang out with me without it. And yeah, I, I've come to learn that in the, the best way. It's been awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's the lies that addiction tells you. And I think that's a lot of the the problem with people when they deal with addiction and social situations, and I'm very much that way. You know, I told myself many times before I got on stage, how am I going to do this? You know, I'm so used to having that alcohol to just dull, honestly dull my fear and dull my anxiety. But it takes that edge that honestly, man, being on stage and having that edge, that sober edge, I enjoyed it so much more. And it gave me more confidence because I realized I don't need anything. It's just me. Yeah. And Love you discovered that too. And Zach Wilde is the is the perfect example of that. That guy used to be a huge booze hound. <laughs> yep. Like huge to the point where he like his doctor was like, You're gonna die. You gotta stop. You know, mm -hmm. it's amazing to be surrounded by people like that. And you know, there's a huge community of sober people on the road. And it's amazing to run into those people. I mean, Randy from Lamb of God, that episode we did with him a while back, like him talking about sobriety, you just realize there's so much energy that gets suppressed by addiction. And a lot of these people who've become sober, much like yourself, you're madmen. You can't stop. <laughs> yeah. All that energy that was being suppressed comes out and you start to achieve things. You start to 
you know, rub elbows with people you wouldn't normally rub elbows with because your mind is just on, you're firing, you find a whole new spirit. And, you know, I do enjoy a drink occasionally to add to my existence. But I mean, even on vacation, we went on to Mexico, Corinne and I, it was like celebration time and I didn't need it. I'd have a drink. We went to like an all-inclusive resort where you could just, all the booze you want. And I just, I'd like a drink or two. And I'm like, you know what? I don't even care. And it's amazing to me that I can still dabble and not do it, but it's the same mindset of, you know, strengthening yourself and having that self-confidence. Because I think a lot of people who do have addictive personalities do deal with a, a certain amount of insecurity that that booze or that drug or whatever helps to sort of get rid of. And you just got to do the work yourself now, which I think is so empowering. And you feel it. It's almost like a different type of high, right? Like when you're going through these situations without that thing, your crutch that you're so used to, you kind of start to feel confident in yourself. You're like, yeah, I'm, I'm a pretty fun guy. I don't need that shit. I don't. And I love that. I have moments on tour, you know, where I'm exhausted from exercising, being on my bike, coming off stage and just having more joy in my heart than I ever did when I had booze in my system, when I was drunk or buzzed or, you know, it's, it's reality. You know, when you stand and face reality and it's just you and yourself, that feels incredible, you know? So I commend you and I'm glad you're on that journey. It's a beautiful thing. It is a rush, and I want to I want to ask you about specifically performing sober because one thing I'm yet to do is like I've played in bars and stuff sober, but I'm yet to be on stage in a kind of touring scenario. I've got a big tour with Bowling for Suit next year, which is like that's 15 days in a row, no days off that one, um, and there'll there'll be a couple of c- kind of semi big club nights I do before then. But that's one thing I'm still to do. I've gone to sh- little shows, I've gone to stadium shows, I've gone abroad, I've travelled, I've been in bars, I've done nearly all the things. But one thing I haven't done is like performed sober yet. So I wanted to get your experience of this, you know, because you've been doing on the biggest of stages in front of the biggest of crowds with Slipknot for the first time in your life, right? Properly. Like this has been the first tour you've done where every night you've stepped onto that stage like dry as a bone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's a lot of breathing exercises, a lot of deep breathing, a lot of being present. And then a lot of moments where you're so intently, acutely aware of the audience that you almost forget to lose yourself. And I think with DJing, it's the same thing. Like, You've got to have those moments where you're not paying attention to the audience and you're just hearing the music and you're just in the moment. So the intensity I put out on stage where I'm making eye contact with people, I'm trying to connect. I had those moments where I left, the attention left them and I kind of went up and I went over and I looked at my band members and I sat in the moment of music and not concerned with the audience. And I think it's something that's really important to do. Um, because I think, you know, when, you're, when you've got stuff in your system, the moments are foggy. You don't really, you're not really entirely present. And that can be scary, but it also can be amazing. And I think it's just balancing between doing what you're supposed to do, get the audience going, get riled up, be that person, but also remember to feel the joy of it, to like stand in that moment of like, oh, this music is hitting me. I could be in a room with, just my boys jamming and I could feel that music coming through me and you can see it. I, you know, I would rewatch stuff um, on YouTube because I flipped into a completely different technique three quarters into that tour. Cause I was losing my voice again, having vocal problems. And uh, 
I switched techniques completely. So I had to like watch these videos and listen and pay attention to what I'm doing. And it, there was an, a little bit of an awkward transition for a few shows, but once I sat in it again and found the performance and there's moments where I'm just, you can see I'm just eyes closed, looking up, looking wherever, just feeling the moment. So I think it's important is don't think too much about it because you're going to think when you <laughs> you don't have stuff in your system and you're dead sober, you're going to think a lot and you're going to notice things that you probably wouldn't notice before of like people's interest in your music or non-interest, you know, cause there were nights where you have Slipknot fans up front. I'll bet. Yeah. Tough crowds sometimes. Yeah. If not, they're waiting for Slipknot and you know, we either win them over or we don't. And there's some ni- nights that there was that person right in front of me, like right there uninterested <laughs> it's just like ah it's so hard to work around that so i just bounce over them and just keep in your mind like why you do what you do why you do why did you start djing just, you love to see people have a good time so i think it's a bounce between that and and just being in the moment with yourself and enjoying yourself doing this thing that you love so it's interesting it's unique but i love it i'm i'm not going back the other way no way i love it yeah, the cool thing with Bowling for Soup is their fans are just up for a good time. They're one of those bands that, you know, nobody comes to a Bowling for Soup, uh, Soup show serious. You know, they're there to get lost in it, and their fans are so supportive of every act they have as a, you know, support group as well. So that'll be amazing. I'll just quickly say, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but I'm going to say it again. If you come to see Kill Switch or indeed any other band and you're down the front waiting for the headliner that you love, don't give the support acts the evil eye don't stand there looking cross with your arms folded because it is such a bum out you know i'm there between all the bands in the lead up to the headline and i see those faces and i see those people and it doesn't bother me because i'm not playing my art i'm just hitting play on other people's tunes so i don't take it as offense but i see like with my friends who go on and support bigger groups like just the crushing nature of looking down you're stoked you're having the best time you look down and you just see someone just totally not stoked it's such a bum out so even if if you're not into the support band at least crack them a smile if they look at you right <laughs> I, I i actually get amusement from it because i'm just thinking to myself like if i were in that situation i guess maybe just because i'm such a hyper empath i would want that person looking at me to feel okay so i would definitely do the nod and smile i can't help it but to me it's funny because i often think like who what's what's this person all about and then i i literally go to this point in my brain where i'm like i wonder if they're okay i wonder if they've had a rough life so I get deep in those moments. And I definitely did that with some of the Slipknot fans. I'm thinking to myself, they're waiting for the Slipknot songs because they can relate to Slipknot. And Slipknot has a certain type of lyric that I can relate to too. You know, that fucked up kid that had nowhere to go or came from an abused family. So I would go deep and I would smile at them or wink at them or just put out a good vibe regardless. And yeah, it can be a bum out for certain people, but I let go of my ego. It's not about me. It's about all of us, you know. And that's, you know, not every single night, but most of the times I'm there. I'm just going to have fun no matter what you're doing. Even if you're waiting, I mean, touring with Iron Maiden was the same thing. Yeah, even more so, I think. Yeah. Maiden fans just like polite enough, but just like, don't give a shit what you do. There are other bands apart from Maiden. What? (laughs) Dude, Um, I went to see The Offspring last night and talking about support bands, The Hives opened up for them, right? uh, And The Hives are just the greatest rock and roll band. Like there is not a crowd in the world that they cannot win over. And last night was tough for them. Like it was this Birmingham, you know what Birmingham audiences can be like. I'm from Birmingham, so I can say it. They can be tough. Birmingham people are lovely, but they're not the most enthusiastic with their emotions. So very often they'll kind of just stand there and be like, impress me, motherfucker. And the Hives are doing everything in their arsenal to get everybody going. And at one point there's 
is obviously just some like rowdy ass guy down the front booing the guy right he's booing the singer and he goes you're booing me huh he goes okay i'm going to give you the mic let me know what you want to say and he puts his mic down this is obviously a bit that they have like well dialed in he puts the mic in front of the guy and the second he does the rest of the band comes in with and so he pulls back the mic and goes i'm sorry i didn't hear you and he does all these things throughout the night he's like listen man yeah i'm not here for you you guys are here for me and he'll do all these little things where he's basically just berating the crowd but in such a charming you know like tongue-in-cheek way and by the end of it you know he obviously hate to tell i told you uh, hate to say i told you so by them just one of those bangers and anthems and he's like this next song is a bona fide rock and roll classic it's so good in fact it's a hit on every continent in the world we're just going to stand here and look at you for a while because it doesn't matter because when we play this song you're all going to lose it and so they just get the lighting guy to turn the lights on the crowd and the band just stares with their arms folded at the audience and flips it on them just like and they do it for so long it's like awkward it's like a couple of minutes and they're just like yeah. <laughs> and they go into the tune and everybody loses their minds i'm like that is just that swagger and confidence right there of the highest degree That's so great. good i love that band they're just a great rock and roll band how can you not like pogo and go nuts when they play their their style of rock and roll is just it's right on my alley i love that shit that's awesome yeah i mean you got to do what you got to do, man. I'm I'm tried to be clever. I think I'm getting better at it, especially now being you know sober on stage for the most part. Uh, just being funny, having a sense of humor about everything, and it just makes it more of a fun atmosphere. I think the audience really can feed off of you. And if you've got somebody who's like Nick Helm, the comedian, who's berating the audience but doing it in such a way where it's hysterical, you can't not feel like all together in this in this one thing. You know, I love people who can put. Keith Buckley, every time I die, another guy that can just do it. Sense of humor is just on lock. He can make fun of you to your face and you'll laugh loudest at yourself. Like those types of people. Amazing. Yeah, Offspring. I Wow, that must have been fun, man. All the hits between the Hives and Offspring. How many friggin' hits those bands have? a lot of sing-alongs and two nights ago you mentioned nick there i went to see nick helm's new musical where it's an old one that he did many years ago that he's kind of resuscitated called i think you stink and it's his tribute to like b-movie horror films it was so good and again he was down the front and he's like clap motherfucker like just berating the guy in the front row he's like cheer up fucker <laughs> it's so good oh, having a good time cunt <laughs> Dude, we've had some great guests recently i want to give a shout out to to michael alago who was our most recent guest as well um not only an amazing storied career signing metallica and white zombie and working with nina simone and all these legends but you know the dude beat aids he was like a crack addict and has been sober for something like 20 odd years now and like a true survivor and we've had some really inspirational people on this show emily as well who was you know sexually assaulted the night at gunpoint the night before she found out she had cancer um these people just like absolute warriors of life and i think all these guests that we get to like feed off the energy of and and get to know and get inspired by has helped me so much on my path of like you know because we can all feel sorry for ourselves and get in our own heads sometimes and think that our problems are the worst problems but then you speak to somebody who's been through far worse and it really does make, you know, what you're going through. Everybody's, you know, problems is, you know, relatable to their own personal experience in life. But the perspective that we get from some of these amazing guests, and I'm sure you feel the same, like it's so helpful for figuring out my own shit and seeing like, oh, like, you know, these people have been through much worse than me and they're doing great. And that means I can too. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, and it's the, one of those things too, where while, while we're doing it, while we're having a conversation, it affects me, but it oftentimes the impact is much deeper once the conversation's done. I've carried it on about my day and it will re-enter my head, the conversation, things that were said. And that's one thing that I cherish so much about this podcast is it just gives me something so different than music does. It fulfills me in a different way. It's like you have these great conversations. And for me, they're pretty few and far in between. Outside of this podcast, you know, I'm, I live a pretty solitary life, even on tour. I don't really engage a lot in like hyper intellectual, deep conversation. It's a lot of surfacey stuff. You know, when you're on tour, there's a lot of jokes. You know, people are just trying to get by. And this podcast roots me in intellectual stimulation on a regular basis. And it's changed everything for me. And it's something that I crave and something that if we don't have it for a while, I'm like, ah, I'm missing something. It's a buzz, really, to have that connection with people and to learn about their experiences and perspective, as you said, you know, being on tour again, like, and then having the few dates where we're able to do this podcast on a day off. And I wasn't even exhausted. I was looking forward to it. It just, it's, it's a buzz, man. This podcast is a buzz because we go there, you know, there's so many podcasts out there. And I, again, I got to say this, there's so many goofy entertaining podcasts, but like, I don't dig on that shit, man. I, I just live a, a deeper and, and at the risk of sounding sort of pompous or whatever, but I just, I really want the deeper shit and we're able to get that on every single episode. Even if it's a light episode, like we had that bartender on talking about punk rock drinks, there's always a common thread of depth that you can connect with a person, whether it's music or whether it's culture, food, the way somebody treats another person, the perspective of somebody as they look back on their career just those moments of, and having people who are comfortable enough to open up and say things that they wouldn't say, like Emily, like she's never talked about that before. And she felt safe in, in this area of us just having this conversation. So we're creating something special. And I know people who listen, and I'm talking to you, thank you for listening and thank you for giving a shit because Matt and I, we love this. And it may not be the most popular podcast in the world, but man, we are building. We're building something that we both can feel in our guts and our hearts. And it's kept me going on those tough days where I'm like not in a good headspace. My community, the Stoke the Fire community, reaches out on a regular basis and reassures me that it's not just about music and lyrics. It's not just about, you know, all these other things that I have in my life. They're specifically pointing at Stoke the Fire going, this is helping a lot of people and we recognize that and that just gives me life because that's what it's all about that's what it's all about man people as joe says in our intro you know like bring it back to people our commonalities as you said at the top of this conversation like that's the shit that that drives me and i i'll go even i'll go in this on tour i saw on tour i heard and i saw conversations about division anger frustration people talking about politics and like treating people and talking about people in a really negative derogatory way. And that's the, the world we're living in right now. And I've never, ever, ever wanted to be a part of that. I've seen it from growing up in a religious household, zealous religious people. I've saw it in punk rock, you know, who's cooler than that? Who's, who's more PC than this person, you know, and being on tour and, and hearing these conversations about division and, and political divide and 
to me, I just never, ever wanted to be a part of like that way of thinking, the ostracizing of people, the, the sort of less than. And you get it with, you know, I grew up in a religious family. I saw religious zealots talking about sinners. You, you see it in punk rock with the holier-than-thou attitude. You're not punk enough. Or, you know, I saw it in the skinhead scene, the boneheads and the skinheads and, you know, the division of metal people and hardcore people, all these cultures and subgenres of, you know, uh, people being divided. And we're seeing it on such a grand scale. When I was out there on the road, you know, you talk about vaccinated and unvaccinated and like the shit that people say about people when they don't stand 100% on one side or the other, it really fueled my fire and gave me a sense of purpose to continue to promote unity, to continue to, you know, talk about commonalities of human beings, how important that is. I'm disgusted, by the way, that some people talk and look at other people because they don't believe A, B, C. Like, we don't agree on music. We don't agree on food. Like, who agrees on all these things? But it doesn't make you a bad person. And we're living in really divisive, strange times. And again, I saw that on the road. You know, there was so many different conversations and circles of people and people angry about this and people frustrated about this. But we can't put our differences aside enough to find a common ground. And that's, I think, what the problem is now where we are in society, it's causing more division. And the more divided we are, the more chaos there is, the more control there is. And you see it across the globe right now. So it's, it's kind of reignited my fire of like, I'm doing what I'm doing musically, what we're doing with this podcast is important. Because I think people do need to talk. We do need to discuss. We do need to like embrace those commonalities. They're so fucking important right now, more than ever. Well, this is what I want to talk to you about, because what I learned by being in Texas and by traveling is the and we've spoken about this before and we've definitely highlighted it before, but I'd like to go in on it now is the importance of travel. And obviously not everybody can afford a trip from the UK to Texas. You know, I was very fortunate that I'm going to be doing this work for Hot Wheels Monster Truck Live and they they'd bought the flights out there and that was the premise of the trip. And then I just extended it by a few days. But being trapped in our own countries if you will during the pandemic certainly a lot of people i know who would usually go abroad have gone oh well we'll just go to like a neighboring town for the weekend instead and you can travel on a budget and you can explore the world on a budget and i think it's so important to do that even if it is just a neighboring town or city because when you get off your phone or when you stop watching tv and you're just not constantly submerged in this propaganda machine as you say whether it's the vaccine stuff whether it's the trump stuff whether it's brexit whether it's you know left versus right in terms of politics and identity issues and all these things if you just get out there in the world and live amongst people and interact with people you realize that Life goes on despite all of this maelstrom of shit that we constantly get fed through the media and see online and just getting out of the house and moving and engaging with people you wouldn't normally engage with. Like if you just keep to your own little circle of people and, you know, you only hang out with people who believe the same things as you and feel all the same things as you, you just get more and more insulated and incubated and isolated and you know that you're then less open to new ideas because you just you know you're regressing if anything and travel for me is 
so important to keep an open mind and a broader perspective, isn't it? So what did you see and learn down in Mexico? Were there any things that presented themselves to you where you were like, oh my God, like I would have never maybe thought about things that way or, oh yeah, that reminded me that this is a thing or was there any specifics or just like more broadly speaking, how was Mexico for you after spending so long, obviously in the States during lockdown to get out and see another culture for a bit? Yeah, Mexico is always incredible to me to get down there. It's humbling, um, if if nothing else. Yeah, it's it's a lot to really unpack, but I would say the the, the basic thing that really gets me. And he, I'll give you a, a quick story to sort of back up what I'm going to say here. There's a lot of people that don't have a lot of money there. They live very simple, and when you go there as a tourist, it's important to spend your money wisely and to be careful. Because there's definitely people that will swindle you left and right wherever you go, especially in tourist areas. But if you have a good heart and you're open to, to the culture and people, you can meet some extraordinary people when you travel. And I think that's the, the real thing that will shatter your worldview or rebuild your worldview is stepping outside of your tourist skin and trying to like live as a local. You know, Anthony Bourdain used to say this all the time why another reason why he's just been a a huge uh, hero of mine live as a local get off the the hotel grid get out of the hotel restaurant get out of the resorts go to these little places so instead of you know um going to a huge tourist agency to go to chichen Itza, which is this area in mexico that you know the mayan city a late mayan city that has the pyramids and you have this monuments and people who just the history is there it's electric and you can spend big money, get on a tour bus and do these crazy big tours. And while we were there, there were tons of tour groups. And it was just Corinne, my girlfriend Corinne, myself, and a tour guide. Just the three of us. So I got a private tour, spent a little more money, supported a local guy who happened to be a Mayan descendant. And he talked about his family legacy. And he actually had proof of where he comes from. So this, we're getting a tour by a Mayan in a Mayan ruin. We got the whole next level tour from this guy, the history of it, talking about his family, his connection to it. And you can see all these massive tour parties walking around doing all the typical tour things. And our tour guide just very calmly kind of rolling his eyes and saying, well, here's the real tour. We were there, for, we, we spent for like an hour tour. We were there for four hours. I didn't even know the time just passed. And hearing the history and hearing about his family, we just talked about him. You know, I, I kind of flipped the interviewer thing on with him and asking him about his family and he's showing me pictures. At the end of the tour, we go to his house. We meet his family, his father, who's a musician and a tour guide as well, and his mother. And he, he, the father grabbed his guitar and started to play us music. And we were welcomed in this little, very humble abode. And these people just, they don't have much, but they gave everything to us. They like he brought his CD. To, you know, I've only made a few copies of this CD. We have actual Mayan lyrics. I sing in Mayan tongue. I've only given these out to my my good friends. And for you, this is for you. Just the overwhelming hospitality of these people that don't have anything. And we were there for a good hour just hearing stories and being entertained by this man in this beautiful little house. And I had these moments where I just kind of welled up with tears and like, this is what it's about commonalities, these connections we have as human beings. And if you're only paying attention to the internet and your little algorithm on your phone that feeds you everything to make you feel self-righteous, to make you feel like you're 
amongst the right people and saying the right things and doing the right things and the arrogance that we have as people when we think we're on this self-righteous pedestal watching mainstream media that just fear monger fear monger division they love to show you the negative shit they love to talk about murders and crime and making people of color look a certain way and creating more division through racism put all that shit aside and be a human to another human and making that connection and being humble enough to shut your mouth and just listen to somebody else tell their story in their home in their country in their area something you're not familiar with at all, getting out of your comfort zone, life-altering shit, man. And I wish more people could do that, could get into somebody's home and speak to them and ask where they come from and find out why they believe what they believe and what their fears are, what their concerns are, why maybe they've got that political leaning. And you'll learn something. And maybe you won't judge them so harshly because you can see why they have that thing in their mind why they have this cultural bias or whatever the case may be. And all we're doing on the internet is just bashing each other, blindly bashing each other because you don't believe what I believe. It just reeks of arrogance to me. It's just, ah, I can't stand it. It makes me angry. It makes me withdrawn. I really haven't been social media much at all lately because I came out of Mexico with just such a beautiful feeling of a connection to people and it, the internet ruins it for me. Mm-hmm. But I've, just, no, I've noticed you've been quieter on there, and I kind yeah. of, I, I would have put two and two together and figured out that was why. And isn't it interesting that these are the people that you know Trump and, and the people who follow him, they they believe that we should, well, you you guys in America should be putting up a wall to block those kind of people out. And it's like I'm not saying that racism is a you know uniquely white trait, but like imagine if the Mexican people felt the way that white people do about them and they have every right to in many cases. And, and yet instead this guy's like come into my home and, you know, be a part of my family for the day. I wonder if the shoe was reversed. I know you would, but I know many other people wouldn't. They'd be like, I don't want this Mexican in my house. And it, it's such a fucked up thing, as you say, because like the generosity and spirit of these people that have so little, there's so much to learn from that. And then the ones who have everything are exactly the ones who are like, build the wall, keep them out. Why? Yeah, what's the threat? That's what I often wonder. Why are you so threatened by people? And I don't understand it. It's not in my DNA. It's not who I am. It makes me very sad and angry. Uh, but that's the tip of the iceberg with this country. That's the tip of the iceberg with <laughs> people. You know? And I think um, travel, yeah, getting back to what you said, travel is so important. To, to walk a mile in somebody's shoes and see who they are and why they think, they, why they think the way they think. And I've had great conversations with people on both sides of the spectrum politically with what's going on in our you know the health crisis people assume and people are so easily swayed into throwing dirt at people and down speaking to people like oh this person um didn't get vaccinated so they deserve to get sick this person didn't do that so they deserve and like this ah like, to me it's just disgusting the way we treat each other and it's important to engage in discussion and it's it's not happening there's so much it's so much easier to fall into an argument get angry at somebody and then block them and be like that person sucks don't want them in my life where uh, when i do go on the internet i've got people from all different walks of life i pay attention to when i do dip into news sources i look at 
news sources from all different spectrums. And I try to formulate my own opinion of what's going on, but that opinion isn't set in stone. It's not like that is 100% what I am, what I believe, never changing me. I'm constantly evolving as a human and I'm constantly changing my mind. And I think that's so important. Um, I just went off on a, a sort of a tangent, but my heart is heavy for the world. And um, it really kind of bummed me out and, and made me withdraw from social media. But anytime that happens but to look me, at I, what happened, good stuff. That's the thing yeah. is like, I, I think what's interesting there is you look at withdrawing from social media as a bad thing. But it's like, if you're withdrawing from one thing and then leaning actually into something way more positive, you know, that, I, I don't think that's withdrawing. I think that's redirecting your focus and your energy. Um, and I would encourage everybody to withdraw more from the internet because that's not like you're withdrawing into yourself i think this is this misconception now that if we're not like online posting and living our life virtually that we're somehow like not fully experiencing life but it's like actually if you put down your phone and actually just like get out on the street that's where life happens right and you know that amen yeah and i think if anything it's it's sort of re-solidified my resolve to be the type of presence that i am online and to write i've been writing like crazy matt i've been writing lyrics tons of lyrics in preparation for whatever projects coming my way uh specifically some some kill switch stuff i'm excited to get into next year at some point but it's Anything just more you can tell us hey 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 as of right now no but you know it just as an artist and as somebody who pays attention and here's the thing too just because i'm quiet doesn't mean i'm not listening doesn't mean that i'm not watching you know, there were conversations I heard through Earshot on tour and really got a pulse for where people are in the music industry, people that work at clubs, touring people. The whole industry is so fragile right now and scared because of COVID and we had to test every day. Being in that paranoia and that hyper environment, you know, I was very quiet and very passive, but I listened intently and I watched and people really reveal their true behavior. And I think that that really inspired me a lot to write. And I was writing a lot. I've got at least five or six songs, maybe more of material of just being a fly on the wall. And I think people mistake kindness and compassion for weakness. And I got to tell you, man, that couldn't be further from the truth. I think people that um, project an aura of love and compassion are the strongest ones. And oftentimes the ones that will win the warfare and the battles of the spirit. And that's the kind of stuff we need right now. We need people to be putting out anthems, putting out inspiration for people to realize that we have power as people when we come together and for our common goal. And we're missing the mark so much in society right now. And it's so important. If you're an artist, if you're a writer, use that platform, not to create division or to make people angry. That's enough of that. And some people need to do that. They have to make fun of people. They have to divide people because it's just a part of their MO or their online persona. But, you know, I think you listening right now, wh what can you do to help bring people together, have those conversations? It's just a burden on my heart. And you're right. As much as I sort of like pulled away, it's really helped me recharge and sort of reignite the fire, stoke the fire in my own life of I've got to continue doing what I'm doing because I can make a difference. You can make a difference. We can all have a positive impact on each other. And yeah, we're blessed enough to travel. So getting back to travel. So Texas, what else with Texas? Tell me more about Texas because it seems like there was a lot 
going on in a very short amount of time with you. So I was flown out there by Hot Wheels, um, who were owned by this huge toy company in the States. I forget the name, Patel, I want to say. They're like this Patel, yeah, yeah. massive corporation. They own Hot Wheels and a bunch of other stuff. So Hot Wheels Monster Trucks Live is essentially a monster truck show. Um, the audience is very much like family orientated. It's very much like young kids and their parents. So I'm going to be hosting the UK run of their tour next year. So there's going to be um, three weekends in London, Glasgow and Liverpool. So if anybody's in the UK and you have children, especially this was what was the coolest thing about that part of it, right, is everything I do is quite adult orientated so at this stage in life most of my best friends have kids but there's nothing that i do that they can really enjoy with their kids you know because all the podcasts that i do are very adult in their content the tours that i do you know they're rock concerts for adults so this is the first time i've been involved in anything and i was out in texas and i was like oh man i'm gonna like try and make sure that people that i know bring their families to this because then they can enjoy and watch this show with their kids and experience something creatively that i put out that's you know family friendly the first thing i've ever done that's family friendly so so we, we got flown out, myself and my friend Alex Baker, who are going to be doing the UK shows together. We got flown out to Fort Worth. We were under the impression we were going out there just to watch the show, take notes, learn it, ready for when it came over to the UK. But they just sprung it on us. They were like, here's a mic, here's a T-shirt. Get out there with those two American hosts doing those shows out there. They said, basically, you pair up with that one, you pair up with that one, and go and do the show. So having never seen the show before in my life and like I don't even drive. So my knowledge of cars, let alone monster trucks, is non-existent. And I'm out at the Dickies Arena in Fort Worth, which is this gigantic. I don't know whether you've ever played that. Um, it's huge, dude. It's like 50 to 60,000 capacity, I think. Um, and it was like half full. And uh, I'm out there just in front of tens of thousands of people like, hey, like this guy, random guy from the UK doing links and like, you know, introducing the cars like proper, like expressive voice like ah, it's bone crusher. And then like going out into the crowds and like meeting families and chatting to people and reading out scores. And, you know, just this insane experience, unlike anything I've ever done, like the adrenaline was so nuts because it's, you know, usually I'm playing songs. I might be introducing a band, but this was all speech based links and there's a gigantic screen in the middle of it where you know i'm being projected on and i'm just like this is like life's brought me here through djing and podcasting and music life has brought me to an arena in texas hosting monster trucks live which was such a huge thing to get my head around and that happened those two days were four shows so it was a show in the morning show in the evening two days back to back so i basically land do four shows the weekend's over my friend alex flies back home and i was meant to fly home that day too but i said can i stay an extra week just get my flight back a week later and i'll just go do stuff for a week if that's okay and they were really cool about that so after that i went out to the woods like complete night and day contrast i went out to the woods and i had like this bullet stream kind of like a, a, a tank container converted into a chevrolet style airbnb home um on this urban farm in fort worth and i had a roof with an open fire pit on it and i just sat out there i bought a cow i bought like a proper authentic cowboy hat from this place called the best hat store in fort worth which my friend ryan hamilton i'm going to give him a shout out he is a local guy he grew up in texas just down the road from the stockyards so he took me all around there he took me into like billy bobs and 
you know the the rodeo hall of fame and all these like iconic texas institutions and you know was like this is real texas right here um and then he took me to this best hat store where the guy who does all his hats he also does like willie nelson garth brooks the biggest legends in country this guy hand made this beaver um beaver well, fur i was gonna say beaver skin it wasn't beaver skin beaver fur hat sorry for the vegans out there and um just like that that day in itself is incredible and then i go out into this urban farm thing into the chevrolet container to spend the night and i just sat there underneath the stars reflecting on the weekend and, and where i was at then and what i had ahead and it just blew my mind that life got me there and again it was like because i'm thinking oh i'd love to crack a beer right now but then i thought no like i've just enjoyed all of this amazing stuff and the reason i'm out here isn't because i'm a party animal and people love this kind of booze monster <laughs> that comes out after a few drinks which i always thought was kind of the reason why certain doors had gotten open because like, oh matt's a fun guy you know we want him around but i kind of just really like became confident again in myself and you know like standing out in front of several thousand people in an arena will either make or break that confidence right and it definitely like reignited this belief in myself and belief in my ability and you know like this term imposter syndrome that sometimes gets thrown around like i'm very lucky in that whatever demons i have that isn't one of them you know i believe i'm good enough and if you put me in a room with anyone i'll rise to the occasion and so just sitting out there under the stars kind of like you know coming to this realization after quite a dark time was truly transformative man and then then from there i went to austin and just had the most incredible three days in austin a lot like la but just cooler like you know just more real um we still weird like la but but more real and authentic and i could see myself moving there it's one of those places where i was like i'm only here for three days but i could live here like from the moment i stepped off the bus in austin i was like and then i went to see the stones man i went to see the rolling stones for the first time in my life in austin at this venue called the circuit of america it's a gigantic racetrack there was like over a hundred thousand people there and like the last five songs in their set the whole set was amazing it was like a two and a half hour set but the last five songs was like midnight rambler paint it black sympathy for the devil gimme shell a jumping jack flash can't get no satisfaction boom boom and i was just again sober 100 percent sober at this show just like this is the greatest night of my life i'm watching the stones in texas because i can get on a mic and bullshit and <laughs> say a few words and you know here i am yeah. in texas watching the stones just like in awe of the entire um madness of the thing but without alcohol it was epic and just everybody every single person i met was beautiful and texans if there's any texans watching this i have nothing but love uh for that whole state and then houston i was only in for a night just to see Zach wild so i didn't really get to see houston but it seemed like it had a different flavor um to the rest and e equally like friendly and and cool and authentic and uh just gratitude man like today being thanksgiving day i just felt nothing but love and gratitude while i was out there and that's like that's me that's who i am you know i'm not somebody that feels sorry for myself or you know like likes to sit and wallow that's not what i'm about and that's what i'd become because of you know a few incidences and things that had built up and it had broken my spirit and just truly found myself out in texas again and was like this is who i am this is what life's about and yeah thank you to texas for um for helping me do that i love it man it just goes to show you never know what life has in store for you you know the last time we spoke and the darkness you were wallowing in 
you never know what's next. That's what's so beautiful to me about talking to people and having experiences because when you're down in the dumps and you open up to people and you let them know that you, you know, you're not doing so well, you get all these different perspectives of people that will tell you it gets better. And in the moment, it may not seem that way, but man, it does get better. It always gets better. You just have to believe in it and just have to keep pushing forward. And you know what you do, there is a, a talent. Not everyone can do what you do, you know, whether it's your podcasting or being in front of an audience and keeping, keeping your sort of calm about you, allowing your personality to come out, you know, moving past stage fright, moving past self-doubt. It's something that you're a natural at. And that's the whole reason I even wanted to do this with you because I was a fan of what wow. you do in your podcast and Life in the Stocks. And I still love that. It's, it's your own thing. You've just got it. And it's awesome to see you get to do something like monster trucks. Like It's so funny to me, but it makes sense. And it just, you know, the world is open to you and you never know what doors are going to open and the opportunities that present themselves. You know, you, you went from wallowing in, in darkness to like traveling over to the States and, you know, getting a cowboy hat made for you and like traveling around. It's just beautiful. I love that. And I was just, as much as I was disengaged, I would still see what you were doing and just, I was just smiling. I love it with the Western shirt and the cap on and like. I got a Davy Crockett hat too. Did you see oh, that little raccoon skin thing, like little rascal style? <laughs> it's awesome. It's so Americana, isn't it? It's so funny. But yeah, I mean, that's, that's the thing about this country. It's so diverse. There's so many things to see. And Texas is massive, but it's just a small part of this huge country. And yeah, and when things uh, start to get to a much better place, I cannot wait to take Stoke the Fire out on the road and like we'll do this and put our money where our mouths are and get into people's homes and go and, and have a little mini travel thing. I can't wait for that. That's going to be something to really look forward to. And Texas will definitely have to be on the map for that one as well. You know, um, that's the thing, man. I just, I've always loved American culture and more so than anyone I know from England. You know, I think there's generally a fascination with Americana in the UK as I think there is, you know, a fascination with, with British stuff in America as well. I think there's always been this transatlantic love affair between our two nations and you see that in the exchange of art and music over the decades um but for me i could just every every time i go somewhere in the states i'm like i could live here i could be here like full-time long-term and be totally at home and at peace and like just around my people and but i'd only ever been to florida or or la and florida like i don't necessarily think i'd want to move to florida but it's a fun place nonetheless but every time i go to la i'm like i love la so much i could move here and just seeing as you say like texas is massive and it is just so full and rich of culture and, and interest but it is just again one place in this gigantic sprawl you know and there's places like new orleans and boston and portland and arizona and there's so many seattle there's so many amazing places in the states that i'm yet to go and it's absolutely something that i want to make happen with you is just getting in a car and just hitting that highway uh, and you know figuring out a way to make that happen where we have guests and listeners and and as you say put our money where our mouth is and take this out there because this has been an amazing what is it now it's coming up on a year i guess like nine months now we've been doing this show which is in itself insane and just over zoom like the quality and the depth of the conversations that we've been having you know three ways often with somebody over in wherever you over there me over here and what we've achieved 
just via Zoom in this time has been so amazing. And so when like real life campfire discussions can be a thing. Yeah. We're in our infancy, nine months, and we'll be born soon. <laughs> there you go. And uh, yeah, it's funny too, because, you know, during the height of the pandemic, when we were still totally on like, you know, uh, quarantine style, uh, my lovely girlfriend, Corinne, had the idea of doing a road trip and seeing national parks that I had never seen before. You know, when you're on a tour bus, you don't stop off and see the sites, you're driving through. So people think I've seen the country and I've been to every state, but you don't really spend time there. So to me, it was like, I'd never seen Yellowstone. I'd never seen uh, Yosemite, like these places, Zion. Um, and I got to tell you, as much as that was mind-blowing and beautiful, Colorado, the state of Colorado in itself, to me, was some of the most stunning views I'd ever seen in my life. And I've been around the world. So I got to tell you, Colorado, man, put that on your list of places to go. It, it's stunning. It's You could be in Colorado for like two weeks. The landscape gives you, you get everything there. It's just, it's a place that I could live. You know, you talk about like in Austin, I got to give props to Austin too. I love Austin. I've had so many good times there. And Austin's this little creative, funky oasis in the huge state of Texas. And I could see, Isn't it? yeah, I could see why you're like, oh, I, I get this. Cause there's a vibe there. There's definitely a vibe there. It's not just the location. It's there's a spirit in Austin. It's, and the creativity there and the culture there, it's beautiful. But to me, that's how I felt when I was in Colorado. It wasn't even just the city. It was just the state as a whole. It's just stunning, stunning. But yeah, road tripping in this country is incredible. Well, it's it is. It's where you find yourself, isn't it? Like it's the great unknown like america is you know it's there's been thousands of books and songs and poems and movies and you know there's so much mythology around that country for a reason you know you can go from like cornwall to land's end or and, you know do like the uk stretch and you'll see nice stuff but like it's the great frontier over there man and that's a whole other level of like mythology and ancient voodoo shit like but mixed in with the modern too it's it is just it's the great 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 unknown like getting in that car and just hitting the the route 66 or whatever it is like anything can happen right you just you just stole the words out of my mouth i was going to say part of the stoke the fire road trip needs to be a route 66 we got to get a convertible a mm -hmm. red convertible and we got to do some route 66 man uh driving out there is incredible and i i actually did that with a convertible um it wasn't the last time I did it, the time before that. The whole idea of, you know, fear and loathing, the, you know, the trip from California to Vegas and every day in between, I, we did like a whole huge circle in and out of the desert. And the shit that you'll see, the landscape changes, the sunset, the sunrise, it's epic. It's absolutely epic. And anyone who's done it can tell you, like, it, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Traveling from, mostly I would say from the West west over the getting in a car and driving is just absolutely epic from north to south nothing like it man i can't wait to do it with you yeah we got to figure that out we will figure it out audience hold us to this and help us if you're out there and you've got ideas reach out as always we love hearing from you guys um so when we're ready to do that when the world allows us to do that that'll be the benchmark getting out there and doing getting some cameras and making this thing an actual show it's gonna happen. It's gotta happen, dude. <laughs> yeah. And if we can get people who are, you know, perhaps the owners of plots of land or just a big garden, 
you know, we could look to hosting in, in various different spots, get guests who are nearby. Like just even because I'm just an organizational freak, as you know, like even just the planning of something like that is thrilling to me. Like that's what I love about travel. I'm such like there's a reason why if you watch like my stories or whatever, when I'm away somewhere, you're like, whoa, he's packing in a lot. I don't just land and like hit the street. Like I read up about where I need to go, what I need to see. I make a relentless list and I don't spend any time chilling. Like I sleep for like five hours max the rest of the time from, especially when you're not drinking, like there's no hangover. So you just like, let's go. That was the other great thing. This is the first time I've been away anywhere. And usually like, you know, you're going from one place to another. You're almost always hung over on that floor flight or coach ride because you've partied on your last night in that place and like not doing that at all was so cool because i woke up every day just fresh face ready to go i had this huge list in every city of of things i wanted to see and do and you know people i wanted to meet up with and i achieved all of it i think because i didn't have that hangover slowing me down but like the research and the prep that i put into to travel um I love because then as soon as I'm there, I'm just like, oh, cool. I know exactly what I'm doing at 12 p.m. today because it's in my itinerary. But then it's having that schedule, but then being open as well, like to the wild card, if that's thrown in. And, you know, somebody says, hey, do you want to come and do this thing? And you're like, well, I'm not someone who goes, it's not on my list. I can't. You know, I'm like, fuck the list. If that's better than the list, let's go. I think that's the way to do it. That's how I did with Mexico. I didn't tell Corinne anything. You know, we, I just said, we're going to go down there. I'm not telling you a thing. And we did the jungle. You know, we did sitting by the ocean and we did Chichen Ista, which I knew we were going to do, but we'd get there and then wing it. So the locations were mapped out, but the activities and what we did were not. And, you know, we're sitting on the beach on one of the days and it was th- this guy near us who's taking people out to go snorkeling. And on a whim, I was like, oh, let's go do it. So I went and I swam with turtles and stingrays on the reef. And wow. Randomly. And it was cheap too, you know, because the, the exchange rate there. So just hanging out, like doing our thing. I was like, oh, let's do this. And the spontaneity is beautiful, but you're right. I love the planning too. I mean, I sat for a good solid, I mean, when I say solid, I mean a good solid five days of planning Mexico where I'd wake up, you know, have my breakfast and get on the internet and start researching, you know, play the show, have my dinner, go back to my bunk, continue. So it was like five solid days of just the excitement of like mapping this adventure out and knowing how far and how long. But, you know, it didn't work, work out perfectly, but I love that too, man, the, the adventure and the planning for it. And then being open to like that random thing where I got to swim with stingrays, dude. It was nuts. I was laughing, trying not to choke in my, my snorkel mask and looking down and sea turtles just flying right by me. And yeah, I just, one minute I'm sitting on the beach, next minute I'm doing this. And there's nothing like that, dude. That's life. And waking up in the morning, like you said, fresh-faced, not hungover, with the sun. There's nothing like it, dude. I love it. It's great. Life is good when you live it to the fullest like that. And you're not tied down by addiction, you know, really. Some people can do it. I can't. I hate doing things hungover. I hate it. It makes me, look that feeling. Just thinking about it makes me nauseous. I hate it. Flying when you're hungover is the worst. That's so shitty. I do. Well, I I got spiked by meth, right? 
um, by this chick in LA one time. <laughs> it was like, it was my last day in LA. I'd been there a month. It was after I'd broken up with my ex and I was like, I'm going to go to LA for a month and just sleep with loads of women. It's going to be awesome. And I ended up just like hanging out with mates and not really doing that. And on my last day in LA, I was like, man, what a loser. I was like, I've been out in LA for a whole month. I haven't slept with anyone. So I'm just like on a mission. So I'm walking down the street in the day and I just see this gorgeous like blonde girl, like all tattooed up. She was so cute. And I was like, just strolled up and was like, hi, I don't mean to like interrupt or anything, but I'm from the UK. It's my last day here. I'd, lo- I'd, lo- I'd love to take you for a drink if you're free. And she's like, okay, cool. So I was like, brilliant. So we go to the rainbow and I'm like, this is awesome. And straight away, she's like, hey, honey, do you want a bump? And I was like, hell yeah, I want a bump. Like, I like the way this date's going. So she gives me this little packet of what I presume to be cocaine, right, Jesse? And I'm like, I'm going to go to the toilet. And I figure I'll have a nice selfish bump because there might not be a second one offered. So I go into the toilet and I'm like, (laughs) have this big, big hit on her cocaine quote unquote it wasn't i knew instantly it wasn't it was it was crystal meth i just knew instantly i'd never done it before i would never advise anybody ever do it i'd never do it again but i didn't know that's what it was and i come back my eyes are like watering i'm just fucked and i'm like what was in that and she's like what did you think it was baby and i was like well i thought it was coke she's like uh-uh that was meth and i'm like what is a hot chick like you just casually doing snorting meth for just for fun <laughs> and so i left right I- midday right it's still day this was like 2 p.m in the afternoon yeah now the the quick backstory to this story as we approach the end this is quite a funny story to end on the quick backstory to this is the night before um my friend who i will leave unnamed he was going to jail so his house was going to be free so he said you stay in my flat i've got to go to jail tomorrow so you can have my keys and we'll have like my last night of freedom kind of party so we're out in the rainbow the night before ron jeremy walks in and ron jeremy's there and he's like we're with two really cute girls and he's like all over them. He's like signing their boobs and everything. I mean, I think he's now in jail for rape. So he's a dark motherfucker, but it was clear then that he was just a total sleazebag and a perv. And he was like, do you guys want to come back to my place to me and my friend and these two girls that we were with? And I was like, we can't run. My friend here has got to go to jail in the morning. So, you know, it's, it's an early night for us. And he was like, all of a sudden concerned for my friend's plight. So he's like there chatting to us for a while. And then, you know, he's basically trying to hit on these two girls we were with. As soon as he realized that wasn't on the cards, he left us alone. So after I've just had this gigantic hit of meth and I'm in the rainbow again with this chick and I'm freaking out, Ron Jeremy appears, right? As if by magic, out of nowhere. And he's like, oh, hey, Matt, good to see you again. Who's this? Who's your friend here? And I literally just stood up. I was like, Amy, Ron, Ron, Amy. And I just left. And I just left those two together. (laughs) Never to see her again. I didn't get a number or anything. And then I had to fly home, dude. I, I took two Valium they didn't touch the sides i had to fly home i stayed awake for two days straight off this one hit of meth i'm like i came back to see my mum, and she was like how was la and i was like (laughs) i've got jet lag mum. i'm gonna have to go to bed and i just lay in bed for two days like it was the most disgusting experience of my life so always check before you try (laughs) (laughs) what is it how about that for a story so that's the kind of life i used to lead when i was away on holiday and meth is ugh. (laughs) I've never touched this stuff, thankfully, but uh, yeah, that's a hell of a story. <laughs> hey, Ron, Amy, Ron, Amy, I'm off. You guys get to know each other. I'm sure they had a great night. It's such yeah, a, she uh, dosed me in the middle of the day. LA story right there, uh, complete with a Ron Jeremy appearance. <laughs> <laughs> 
So not doing that shit, you know. I've got no cra- crazy stories like that from this trip, but I'm okay with that. Like, I just had a really good time. I had loads of fun. I uh, didn't put myself in any life-threatening situations. And, you know, I, I can't uh, imagine ever... I'm sure I'll maybe like drink again one day. It won't be for the next at least year or two. Like I'm going to have a very extended stint of sobriety, but I'm sure one day I'd like to try and, you know, just get where you are with it and just have the occasional drink. But when it comes to like doing mad shit like that and doing Coke and fucking pills and stuff, like it just exhausts me. The thought of it exhausts me. The come downs are so horrendous. Um, and the situations you get into as fun as they seem at the time, they're just straight up sketchy, aren't they? Yeah. And I think you just, you know, I can speak for myself. You just turn a corner in your life and you start to appreciate different things. Like the things that I used to love and that excited me and, and ignited my like a sense of adventure, just don't do it anymore. It's a different trip. It's a different adventure. And I like it, man. I like it. I don't care if it's lame to somebody else. I love getting to bed early and getting early and doing things out in the sunlight and stuff that makes me feel good that the, that, feeling of goodness lasts it doesn't just fade out with the high you know it's i'm not seeking that anymore and i think when you have that transition you know that's when you're going to live a longer life and you appreciate life differently like you know i guess they call that growing up you know and i love it i'm happy i don't need certain things that i used to need i thought i needed i should say and i love it but you know we still you and i we have stories we lived it man i think that's a good time. And we're fortunate, you know, speaking of conversations like Jake, Jake is still going, you know, the conversations we've had with like Randy. And I mean, the list goes on this, this podcast has so many great stories. And I love that we're still part of that. You know, we're still telling stories. We're allowing people to tell stories. And that's, that's what we all have. That's the connection we all have. We've all been through some shit. We all have a story to tell. And that's why I'm so engaged with human humanity and human beings as an artist, because I feed off people's stories. And it's a blessing to be able to have that. You and I have really just sparked up something that is very unique. There's nothing that I can think of that's like Stoke the Fire. So to me, I just get stoked every week to do this with you. And uh, I look forward to more guests, more years, and whatever else we have in store when we take this thing on the road. It's going to be awesome. Amen, brother. And please, if you are, if you're watching or listening to this, help us out. Uh, Tell your friend about it. You know, tell your colleagues, your partner, your family member, strangers on the street. Help us spread the word the old school way. Word of mouth is real. It works. Um, If you're not already, please do follow us on social media at Stoke the Fire Pod. Um, anything you can do in terms of like YouTube likes and all that algorithm bullshit that we were talking about earlier. Sadly, it's a you know necessary evil. Um, if you go to iTunes, for instance, and do like the five star rating and a short review, like all of that stuff is so helpful to helping us get the word out there. Um, and you can always email us as always stoke the firepod at gmail.com. Suggest guests, share your stories if you want to come on the show, even if you just want to write to us and you know share feedback um it always just moves me man we've had some amazing messages after we did that deep and dark episode i had some of the most beautiful messages i've ever received from anything i've done from people just being really supportive and encouraging which was so cool um and yeah just one more time gratitude is something that i feel in spades because of this show and it gives me so much hope and so much light and so much life and I don't really know what I would be doing without it. I know I'd be doing something cool. Of course I would, but <laughs> not as cool as this. This is the greatest thing I've ever been involved with. I genuinely mean that. And I've done some amazing things in my life. But this, for me, has changed my life to the core. 
Um, and I am so, even though I don't celebrate Thanksgiving because I'm a, a UK man, I'm going to celebrate it today. I mean, is, th- is Thanksgiving like a problematic holiday, what you would call a problematic holiday over there? Or is it kind of just really about that, just being thankful and grateful for, for what you do have? What's the yeah. deal, Jesse? I think, I mean, for me personally, um, the amount of research I've done and the people that I've associated with and the stories that I've heard from natives, um, I think the the idea of the holiday in general is, is pretty foul and it's right. telling, telling an incorrect story. Yeah. Um, but I'm not one of those people who's going to go on social media and, and bash people for getting together with their families to be thankful. I think as with any holiday, you can agree or disagree and we could, you know, I think people need to be educated on it for sure, but I'm not going to beat you over the head on social media and tell you not to do this. I think having a day to be thankful is beautiful. I think we should do that every day. Obviously not everyone's going to do that. So if you're taking time and you're actually with your family, enjoying your family, having some food, breaking bread, that's a beautiful thing. And if my family were around, you know, I don't live near them. I'll be down there for, for Christmas. I, I would honor my family and my mother and I would participate. I'd be there. I'd have fun. I would eat food. I stopped gorging myself and getting stuffed and getting sleepy that American tradition many years ago. Uh, and I stopped talking about it and celebrating it, especially with my Native American heritage. To me, it's just such a farce. Like the story is completely incorrect. Um, but I, I'm not a bummer. I'm not one of those people that needs to bash you over the head with my beliefs or my political ideals or my self-righteous stance. I'm, you're still doing this? How dare you? No, enjoy your family. Have fun. Be grateful. Holidays can be fun. And as people that don't have families, invite them into your home. We have these awesome thing called Friendsgiving we do here in the States. We did it last year where we open our home to our friends and we feed them good vegan, for the most part, food uh, and just have a good time. So I think it's all your perspective. It's definitely something I'm not posting up about or talking about, but I'm not one of those people who's going to bash you or like, you know, that whole pompous thing of look, do your research. It's a fucked up holiday, but it doesn't mean you shouldn't. But aren't they all? (laughs) Yeah, I know, really. Most holidays are, or they're just, you know, a ploy to get you to spend money. Yeah. Tomorrow is that day here in the States, Black Friday. They call it Black Friday for a reason. And it's horrible. And I don't participate every single year. It's a buy nothing day. I don't submit orders. I don't go out to stores and I don't do any of that shit. I'm getting my car fixed tomorrow. My girlfriend's car fixed, so I am contributing to the economy. But yeah, man, I don't know. I think my ideals and my punk rock uh, way of life, I don't always have to announce what I'm thinking and feeling. I just live it. And I think there's a power in that, you know, let people be who they are, allow people to, um, to live their lives. And anyone listening here, like, if nothing else, just try not to be a dick. Try to be more kind and compassionate to people. Listen to what they have to say. This world desperately needs more connection and more love. And if anything, you walk away from a holiday like Thanksgiving, being grateful is an incredibly strong, beautiful emotion. I think gratitude leads to compassion. If you really sit and think about your life and all that you have and what you're grateful for, there's so many people that don't even have a place to call home. So I think if nothing else, that's what my family's instilled in me from day one, celebrating holidays. We would have people in our house homeless people, strangers, ex-cons, ex-drug addicts. I grew up with those people at my table on Thanksgiving every single year. And my family still does that. So that's the one thing I'd say on a day like today is open your homes, open your hearts, and be compassionate to people. That's what this shit should be about more than anything. 
gratitude, compassion. Amen. So final question. Are you happy with calling this episode Alternative Thanksgiving? Yeah, hell yeah, of course. There we go. Dude, (laughs) I just love you so much, man. And like everything that I do in the podcasting world has led me to this journey with you. And long may it continue because it gives me uh gives me life my friend i love you i love you too man and thank you it's it's an honor to share this platform with you i can't imagine doing with anybody else honestly and i look forward to what this continues to be as we move into the future it's going to be a beautiful thing no matter what because the message holds weight and i think we're doing something that is important Uh, not to sort of toot our own horn but truly anything that's promoting you know conversation storytelling and compassion and you name it if it's positive that pma is intact it's a beautiful thing and honor to do it softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.